everyone, welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Championship to my League One. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Always like League One, never wanted to be in the Championship anyway. Justin, how are you? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite good, surprisingly. It's obviously been a, a strange sort of 24 hours being a Derby supporter, but surprisingly, I'm, I'm not bad at all, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll have a little divulge into it. You can (laughs) do the old lying on the sofa. I'll be your um, psychiatrist talking about what's (laughs) going through your mind at the moment. And uh, we'll unpick all that. But welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we're going to go through all the Easter Monday games that have just gone past, including, of course, Derby's relegation to League One. So we'll talk about all that, unpack all of that. We're not going to do any news today. We're going to save that for Thursday's episode because you've got uh, another episode coming up in just a couple of days but then we'll finish off with a little game right at the end as well so you've got that to look forward to after we get through this whole mess right (laughs) so we'll talk about Derby shall we they've been relegated to League One for the first time since 1986 after they lost 1-0 away at QPR and Reading drew against Swansea Um, where do you even start with this Justin Uh, it was it was always going to happen, wasn't it? It's become quite apparent for quite some time that it was looking very unlikely Derby mm. were actually going to stay up. Now that it's actually happened, what kind of range of emotions are you feeling as a Derby fan? I wasn't I wasn't really feeling anything because I was sort of resigned to it. Personally, I was resigned to it as soon as Phil Jagielka and Graeme Shinney left in January. I thought, you've taken almost the beating heart of, of the, an experienced beating heart of the group out of the team at a really pivotal time. Um, and it's, it's really hard to recover from. And you can tell the team's missed Phil Jagielka's experience and, and Graeme Shinney's energy in midfield. Um, so I was sort of resigned to it then, but there, there, have, there has been glimmers. But at the moment right now, pretty much similar to a lot of Derby supporters, I, I just feel quite proud to, to have... It feels like I've got my club back, which is quite weird because nothing's guaranteed yet in terms of its future. Um, but I just feel like I've I've got my club back. I, I was, you know, incredibly proud to to see uh, again a lot of academy players on the pitch against QPR um, uh, on Monday, and yeah, it was it was it was it was disappointing to go down, but inevitable as you say. But as I say, it's just it feels like we've got the club back, which is it's it's a strange feeling, you know. Yeah, it seems like the fans and the group of players are the closest they've been in quite a long time which is strange Mm -hmm. considering everything that's going on but I don't think anyone is blaming the players or the manager at all for relegation are they 21 points is a ridiculous amount of points to try and overcome isn't it and the fact that the, the only reason they've even come close is because there have been three teams this season who have either had a points deduction themselves or been miraculously poor in the grand scheme of things so that's the only reason it's been made possible at all but the fact that Derby have come so close to doing it says a lot about how close this squad of players are and the brilliant job that Rooney has been doing despite everything that's been going on off the pitch (laughs) and the numerous transfer embargoes and what have you that he's had to deal with as well so they've done a marvellous job haven't they this group of players Mm -hmm. it says a lot when they would have finished 17th had it not been for that points deduction finishing 17th in itself by the way would be a massive achievement considering they only had 14 players at the start of the season they've not been Mm -hmm. able to sign anyone throughout the course of the season and most of the squads three quarters of the squad has been made up of players who are under the age of 23 so (laughs) it's 
really impressive that what Derby have actually accomplished this season. Of course, it doesn't look like it on the face of it because they're going to be in League One. But Rooney deserves such a massive round of applause for getting this squad to this stage and running it so close. Um, and that's why, for me, he's without a doubt in the top five managers of the season, at the very least. If he managed to keep them up, then without a doubt, he'd be manager <laughs> of the season, wouldn't he? Um, but it just wasn't to me. But I think every Derby fan is so proud about what the club have actually accomplished this season, even though on the face of it, it may not seem like they've accomplished very much. But of course... The only reason they're in this situation is because of the doings of people from before and we're now ultimately seeing Derby paying the price for that, aren't they? Yeah, spot on. The, 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 the man that yeah has to have the finger pointed at him is Ismail Morris and, and Wayne Rooney was quite right to, to call him out in his, his post-match press conferences um, because he's almost... I mean, it's just a... It's, everything's still quite uncertain he's almost destroyed a football club um, now as a supporter of said football club he's, he's he's been willing to run it into the ground and not only that but he's not been paying bills for um, a, a period of time which in its own right is, is quite is quite frankly you know, disgusting um, and again Derby fans and the players and the manager and the staff have, have been picking up the pieces from a very very wealthy man um, and he gets to go away with his with his wealth intact and he gets to sit in his nice big houses and drive his nice cars knowing full well that um that he's yeah he's almost destroyed a community asset which is quite frankly disgusting um but it's it's, it's unsurprising of the man really well he's got blood on his hands hasn't he quite frankly <laughs> um as you say he's living the high life still he's still a multi-millionaire um and he's very nearly ripped the heart out of a city, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's disgraceful, isn't it, that it's got to this stage. He went in there with, well, of course, all the right intentions, he wanted to get the club into the Premier League, but he did it so horribly. And the whole thing just comes across as a massive ego trip, really, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, he spent the money so recklessly over the years. I think <laughs> the number of players who actually got sold on for a profit is it's less than a handful of players um, <laughs> that he actually managed to sell on for a profit. Um, and sure, he put all a lot of his own money into this football club, but when you spend it like the way he has, then there's not much point in it because you can say, yes, he's put a lot of effort into it, but when you're not listening to the alarm bells ringing on the side, mm-hmm. then this is ultimately the price that Derby have paid. And now it's led to them being in League One when the ultimate aim was for them to have just a bit of the treasure chest that is the Premier League, isn't it? So Derby are going to be in League One next season. Um, and no, we're not going to become the third tier podcast for people who keep asking us that. Um, <laughs> let's quickly talk about the game, Justin. Um, doesn't mean a great deal in terms of QPR season, does it? But the first win in seven, which is obviously a massive positive. Mm-hmm. Luke Amos got the goal and he has been a big bright spark for QPR this past few weeks, hasn't he? Yeah, he impressed me throughout the game, actually. He was he was really, really good. He was pretty much everywhere on the pitch, which is what you expect of a box-to-box player. Um, obviously, his goal was helped by Derby's lack of fullbacks on the pitch, but he found the space and it shows that he's got the intelligence and the fact that he was dropped for Jeff Hendrick um, earlier on in the season when Jeff Hendrick came in on loan is, is, is disappointing. 
Um, you know, yeah, I'm not going to say he's, he's going to have changed the fortunes of QPR season this season, but it, he may have helped considerably. And he's got quite. He's, he's starting to score goals. He's starting to find himself in the box. And, he's, and again, his finish yesterday was was very composed. Yeah, he's looked really dangerous, Santi, and he's someone who I think mm. is going to be really important for QPR heading into next season as well. So with Derby going down, that ultimately happens because Reading came from 4-1 down to draw 4-all with Swansea. And what a game this was, Justin. It seems for the past you know, half an hour or so that this was always going to go one way. When you saw Reading get the second goal, you thought, hang mm-hmm. on a second, this isn't over and done with just yet. But they kept fighting and fighting. And it was Tom McIntyre with the late goal again. Reading fan, born and bred. Um, I, I saw a Facebook status from him in like 2012 where he was on the pitch when Reading got promoted <laughs> all those years ago. Um, but here he is, he scored... The winner against Sheffield United on Good Friday, he scored the equaliser in the last minute here. It's just a magical story from his perspective, isn't it? Oh yeah, without doubt. It's 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 one of those things that you you dream of. I mean, other than not scoring maybe in an FA Cup final or a, a goal to win the league, the next best thing is probably scoring the, a late equaliser once again to keep your team um, not still in the fight, but increasing the chances of staying up in, in the championship is it's quite magical stuff and again he's, he's proving to be <laughs> a pretty decent poacher maybe should have played played up front in Zhao's absence earlier on in the season but yeah it's, it's, it's quite it's quite a remarkable story and a ridiculous game of football and probably a good summary of their season actually the fact that they were dreadful at times they were good at times they were a bit chaotic and very frustrating probably that game you know, encapsulates Reading's season quite nicely to be honest to be fair, Tom McIntyre couldn't have done much worse than George Puskas, could he? Early on in the season. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about Puskas. Yep. From a Reading perspective, with Derby's relegation, that's one down, two to go, isn't it? And you'd have thought, well, it's looking pretty certain at this point that Reading will be in the Championship next season. Still have plenty of question marks over how they'll do mm. next season. Um, but they've fought brilliantly over the past couple of weeks. What a goal from Hans Wolf for Swansea, Justin. That was beauty, wasn't it? It was... Almost perfect, I think. Just the, the 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 curve on it, and it just landing straight into the top corner without too much pace on it. It was deliberately placed, and he's he's a good player. We'll praise him in the last episode. Um, yeah, he's 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 a quality player, and one I need to see in the championship again next season. Get a full season under him, a pre-season under Russell Martin. He, he will be a magical, magical player, and he topped Joel Pirro's goal as well, which was also an absolutely fantastic finish. Yeah, Joel Pirro got two again to take him up to 20 goals for the season, which is a Mm. very impressive tally in itself. So Reading look like they're just about safe in the championship now and their chances were improved even more after Barnsley lost 2-0 away at Peterborough. Uh, No, Peterborough won 2-0 away at Barnsley, I should say, in a big game at the bottom of the table. Um, And that was probably the best result, really, for Reading, Mm. wasn't it? Because Barnsley obviously got a game in hand and ultimately pretty much KO's Barnsley's chances of staying up as well. But Peterborough looked good again, Justin. The backs were against the wall for numerous sections of this match. David Cornell had to make 11 saves in the posh goal. But out of the teams who were going to be in League One next season, obviously Barnsley, Derby and Peterborough from the looks of it, I think Peterborough are going down into League One, feeling the most positive out of all of them, aren't they? And I'd say they're probably in the best shape out of the three sides who are going down. Oh, without doubt. You've got Barnsley who are in a little bit of turmoil themselves. They need a massive reset and Derby have four or five players contracted for next season. So yeah, Peterborough definitely in a, a much better position. But it could it could have been a lot worse. Um, 
and because they <coughs> they have been for three quarters of the season the worst team in the league. Um, with 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 exception to you know, maybe some periods uh, fighting fighting for that um, fighting for that title with Barnsley, but the club needed <coughs> the whole club needed a belief. Um, they needed belief, and Grant McCann's delivered that. You know, we we spoke about Jack Marriott um, in the, in our previous episode, but he's he's hit form at a good time, and he's starting to become a player that Grant McCann first shaped. You know, Grant McCann, he, Marriott's. Um, best goal scoring season for Peterborough came under Grant McCann which then resulted in his move to Derby um, and, and he's sort of rediscovered that form he's become a, a striker that um, you know, looked looked like he was going to be a good player going forward um, so it's, it's it's a massive positive a massive turnaround and as I say Peterborough needed this to go into next season with the belief that they can jump straight back into the Championship I think they've got a great chance as well. There are obviously some big teams in League One uh, with bigger budgets than Posh. But if they keep together the vast majority of this squad, which I think they probably will, mm. then they'll be in great shape for a decent cracker promotion again next season. Um, so I, I'd be really feeling really positive about Posh's chances of mm. us talking about them again in <laughs> two seasons' time. Um, and they'll probably be in a lot better position than they were at the start of this season as well. So, yeah, I think mm. this is a really good time to be a, a posh fan, despite them obviously going down because you've got Barnsley and Derby who have got such a... They're in a state of flux, both of them, aren't they? Yeah. Derby in particular, probably in one of the biggest states of flux any team has <laughs> ever been in. Um, but yeah, posh are one side who has settled and just about ready to go again next season already. Um, in a big playoff clash, Huddersfield won 2-0 away at Middlesbrough. A huge result for the Terriers, Justin, who look just about certain to be a playoff side now, don't they? Yeah, I know, absolutely. I've 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 never I you know, no doubt has ever creeped into my mind about this Huddersfield team. I, even with that um shaky form before the international break, I, I, <clears throat> they're a team that relies on really basic principles, but they, they execute them brilliantly. Um and away games yeah, they they're a perfect they're a perfect away side because they're solid, they're difficult to break down at times. Um I know Lee, Lee Nichols gets caught up on um, fairly often, but he's 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 a good enough keeper to keep teams out, and they're very good from set plays as well. And this game again was was the perfect sort of example of what they do away from home. Um, they created some chances on the break. They created a lot of chances from set plays, and they were clinical when they needed to be. It's a really good performance, <clears throat> and they kept out, you know, kept a clean sheet against a very good Middlesbrough side. Jordan Rhodes got only his second goal of the season. Of course, he got it against his former side <laughs> as well. And I'd like to see how many goals he scored at the Riverside for opposite teams compared to how many goals <laughs> he actually scored in the Millsborough ship, because I imagine it must be quite close. Naby Saar is coming to this Huddersfield team and has apparently turned into prime Virgil van Dijk. He was amazing here again. Got, got the goal, but was defending magnificently as well. He's barely played for Huddersfield this calendar mm-hmm. year, but is now amazing. He's, I think... Well, he got the goal in, on Good Friday as well, didn't he? But um, mm. <laughs> he's played like, I think, 120 minutes in yeah. the league this calendar year. Um, and has got two goals to his name and has been fantastic in that time. So he's been a really fantastic addition to the Huddersfield team who are now looking like they'll be uh, playing an extra two games at least come the end of the season. But can we say the same about Middlesbrough? Because this is a result that does a lot of damage to their playoff hopes. They're three points off, but have got a game in hand. So still plenty to play for, but mm-hmm. they're not in the greatest of form right now, are they? Just deny us this question to Johnny from the Borough Breakdown not long ago. Interested to hear what you have to say about this. If Borough don't get in the playoffs this season, would you consider that an underachievement? Um, 
I guess I guess I would because you could tell by the January recruitment they were going for it, um, which is why I, I was bringing you up at the, at the time about the finances surrounding the Balogun deal, for example. Um, they obviously signed Riley McGree as well for a for a decent fee, so they they were going for it. But I, I think for them to have been able to do that this season, Wild had to do a lot to eradicate that inconsistency that was plaguing the side under Neil Warnock. That's a big job in itself, and he, it looked like he was doing that, but. It seems like the team has now started to to fall back into that mould where they are inconsistent. As well as that, there's a creative imbalance. They rely heavily on Isaiah Jones and Marcus Tavernier, and as well as that, putting away chances, they don't do it consistently enough. So I don't think it would be an underachievement as such. Maybe a little bit given what they were trying to do in January um, in, in the signings that they made, but at the same time, Wild had a lot to do in a short space of time. So I can't really. Can't really say it was an underachievement. Strange, isn't it? Because around February time, I was looking at Middlesbrough thinking, yeah, I'm pretty sure you'll be a playoff side come the end of the season. But they've just become very inconsistent, haven't they? As you were just saying. Um, And it is mainly down to going forwards wise because they've had the four strikers, five strikers even, um, across the course of the season. And... Wilder's not really at any point been sure which two are his best yeah. two and hasn't mm-hmm. been settled on any of them, has he? Um, and at times they have been living off scraps at the same time. So that's where the problems have lied. But at the same time, this inconsistency that's crept into their game, their waveform as well, has been really mm-hmm. poor, particularly over the past couple of months. Um, strange. And I think if anyone does blame Wilder for them not getting in the playoffs, um, I'm not sure anyone will do, but. I think he would be a victim of his own success, wasn't he? Because he's the person who's got yeah, them there exactly. into that yeah. position for the first place, mm-hmm. hasn't he? But there's certainly a side lacking confidence at the moment. Still with a great chance right now, aren't they? But there has been speculation linking Wilder with the Burnley job. And he hasn't ruled that out either. So <laughs> that would be a remarkable turn of events if that actually happened. Mm. But yeah, it's a strange time at Middlesbrough. Um, also in this game, we had an indirect free kick after a back pass in this game, which doesn't happen very often or happen often enough for my liking. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about Forrest Justin. They bounced back from their loss at Luton by smashing West Brom 4-0. The task made a lot simpler after Darnell Furlong was sent off in the first 20 minutes for handball. I mean, what on earth was he doing there? We could talk about that for a good half an hour, Justin. But Forrest were just amazing. It, they were so classy here, Justin, but it was also a walk in the park at the same time, Justin. It was a classy walk in the park. It's like a stroll in the park while wearing a tuxedo. It's exactly <laughs> what Forrest were doing right here. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of summarising it. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I was worried a little bit about Forrest. I thought, given that there's you know, a couple of injury concerns, McKenna and Davis going off against Luton on Friday and, and how, how nullified they were against Luton, I, I thought that they might struggle here against West Brom, but... All of that was set aside very, very quickly because they came out of the blocks very, very quickly. Um, it was a really, really good performance, a classic performance, as you, as you very eloquently put. Um, and yeah, you can't, you can't fault Forrest at all. I thought Figueredo had Andy Carroll's number, given that Andy Carroll's one of the best number nines in the division, even in his current state. Um, and and they just nullified West Brom in the first fifteen minutes quite, quite easily. Um, and obviously, the sending off and the penalty helped. But what you've got to do then is you've got to hit teams hard. You've got to you've got to be tactically suited to play, playing against ten men, making the pitch wide, um, getting in behind the, the defenders. Um, and they did that. It was a really, really good, perfect, almost perfect, perfect all round performance from Forest. 
Yeah, they only considered the one shot in the whole game. Um, mm-hmm. Not surprising because West Brom were down to 10 men for so long, but still to just completely kill off any hope of them getting back, in, back into the game is a very job, very good job well done. Um, mm-hmm. James Garner was exceptional. Uh, he was magnificent. He's the exact player you want when you're coming up against 10 men, isn't he? Because he stretches the game mm-hmm. so much and just spreads the plays so good. I, I, he's someone who seems to get better <laughs> and better. I say that a lot about a lot of Forest players, but they do. They just get better and better each time mm-hmm. I see them. Jack Holback's goal. You having that? No, I've been that. No, 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 no. If that's a cross, it's a dreadful cross. I'm not sure what technique he's pulling out there with that with that cross. And if it's a shot, no, it's not a shot. I can't even. I well, can't, he says I, he meant it. He says he meant it, no, Justin. And I can no. see I, he's cut across it. No, he sliced imply, it. Don't say he's no, cut well, across no, it. He's cut across it, which would imply he's trying to aim it towards goal. I. <laughs> Some when you first see it first time, you think, yeah, there's absolutely no chance he meant that. But the fact that he has cut across it makes me think, okay, I can see maybe he was trying to just run it close to the keeper. Why is he shooting from there? To do that? No, no, no. I. Are you doubting if, the quality of Jack Colback's left foot, Justin? He's got a decent left foot, to be fair to him, but he doesn't pull them out of the hat very often. I know he scored a decent goal earlier on in the season, but if he's shooting from there and I'm one of the forwards, I'm giving him a bollocking. Not having that. Even when he's doing stuff like that? Even when he's doing stuff like that. I know Surridge ran off celebrating, but I'd be having a word with him in his ear. Like, you do that again, mate. I'll have you. <laughs> Put the ball in the box. <laughs> he did. Right into the, the keeper's bomb box. Um, whatever that means. Right, now it's time for a break, Justin. <laughs> After that, we'll talk about a win for Bournemouth and a draw between Sheffield United and Bristol City. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So Coventry nil, Bournemouth 3. We looked at this and thought it was going to be quite a tricky game for Bournemouth, Justin, but it ended up being quite comfortable in the end. The scoreline perhaps not doing the game justice because Coventry didn't play bad at all and gave Bournemouth a right good game, but Bournemouth were just so clinical, weren't they? And Mm -hmm. that's not something we've been able to say very often about them, is it? No, exactly. There are side that do create chances quite often, but there are times where Slank is left isolated in games um, and there are side that, that, that can have a habit of, of, of spurning good chances and, and giving opposition plenty to... Um, Plenty to sort of, you know, giving giving other teams belief in games essentially, um, but they didn't do that here against Coventry. They 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 put their chances away at the right times. They killed the game off um, quite early in the second half as well. So yeah, it was a really good away performance from Bournemouth, and this was probably a display that they needed because, as you pointed out, this was probably the game of the weekend where you think that's that's a real headache there because of Coventry's record against the top. Um, top six teams at home, that record at home especially, you know, they they dispatched Fulham with ease. Um, uh, and it could have been the same here against Bournemouth, but it was a good performance from Bournemouth. They eradicated any fear that that Coventry could uh, could turn them over, and as you say, they defended well at times when they needed to, and they put the chances away at the right times. So it was yeah, really good performance and one that should give you enough belief that they will get over the line. Yeah, Coventry have been quite an inconsistent side, haven't they? I think that's the main reason why their playoff mm. chances have faded away. Their, their playoff chances had reappeared briefly over <laughs> the Easter weekend, mm. but have gone back into hiding almost immediately. So I think that's just about dead and buried now. But that is the main reason why they um, aren't going to get in the playoffs, isn't yeah. it? Because they were fantastic in the first 
third quarter of the season but the inconsistency has just really caught up with them but it's still been a remarkable season for them but Bournemouth now have managed to open up a seven point gap on Forest five games remaining is worth mentioning Bournemouth of course still got to play Forest and Bournemouth's next game is against Fulham so <laughs> squeaky bum time for the Cherries and Scott Parker but this was definitely a performance they needed didn't they because they were certainly lacking confidence over the past few weeks and fans were definitely getting a bit frustrated as well with uh, the way their side was doing Sheffield United can only draw one all away at Bristol City Sheffield United missed so many good chances here it was like the Jokanovic era again once mm-hmm. it well the latter end of the Jokanovic era where they were playing well but just could not put the ball in the back of the net and it very nearly cost them if it wasn't for a lovely volley by Morgan Gibbs-White. But I think this is definitely points drop for Sheffield United, isn't it? Oh, yeah, without doubt. When you talk about the chances they created and the strikers that they've got missing, you're thinking Ryan Bruce is quite a clinical player. Christ, he could have used him. Beta Sharps, the most clinical player in the team, definitely could have used him. It's it's just, um, it, it just again, it, it gives you a telltale sort of description of where Sheffield United are at the moment in terms of scoring goals and putting chances away because ultimately that's that's their that's been their issue over the last sort of four or five games. They've not been able to create too many chances, but in this game they did. They didn't put the chances away when they came. And when you've got players like Gibbs White and Die up front, that's gonna be that's gonna be a symptom of that, unfortunately. It's it's yeah, disappointing disappointing result and obviously it gives teams behind them plenty of belief that they could pip Sheffield United into the top six. Well Sheffield United are the team, aren't they? Who you're looking at now thinking if anyone's going to drop out, it's going to be them. In fact, you'd probably say Huddersfield, Luton and Forest are just about there, aren't mm-hmm. they? And it's between Sheffield United and whoever fancies a bit at this point. So they've got a point on Millwall, who are seventh. Middlesbrough are the other team who are just a bit back because they've got a game in hand as well, who you'd be looking at thinking mm-hmm. Sheffield United's probably main contender. At the moment, I'd still say it's likely we'll have Sheffield United in the playoffs come May. But still plenty to work for, isn't there? Yeah, well, the, the longer the games go on, um, and as you say, there's there's a little bit of Ikanovic era slipping into the team. Um, the longer the games go on, I, I'm, I'm becoming less convinced that Sheffield United can, um, can get into the top six, mainly because of just putting chances away. Defensively, they're okay, they're fine. Um, but it is just putting chances away. That is the difference. And they're not in a position where they can afford to drop points at the moment. They need to get a couple of wins um, which is easier said than done they, they do need a couple of wins just to solidify that place in the top six you look at Huddersfield and Luton they've been able to do that in Forest as well um, but Sheffield United just can't get the ball in the back of the net to, to, to be the difference maker in that sense Well they've got Cardiff coming up this weekend which has got to be seen as three points hasn't it if they don't get three points there then they're in the bit of a pickle to say the very least <laughs> after that they've got QPR away QPR would have been one of the teams you'd want to face, but now that they've got um, a win and a draw on the board, mm-hmm. are they turning around in form? And then after that, they've got Fulham last day of the season, which is not who you want to play at all, is it? So no. tricky times for Sheffield United, but they've got to get three points this weekend against Cardiff. If that doesn't happen, then I think uh, they'll be looking at the playoffs thinking, well, that's just got away with us and how the hell has it got away from us as well? <laughs> Let's talk Luton. A second half goal from Harry Cornick saw them win 1-0 away at, I've wrote down, away at Luton. That's not correct, is it? Um, away <laughs> at Cardiff. That makes a lot more sense. But what a header that was, Justin, from Cornick. Yeah, it, it, I mean, where, where has that come from? Because Harry Cornick's 
not the player to score that type of header, to be honest with you. It's one that the likes of Darry, uh, Danny Hilton, Cameron Troman and Ajay Debeo would have been very, very happy with. It was one of those headers that a good number nine scores. And Harry Kane, uh, Harry Kane, blimey, Harry Cornick is not <laughs> Harry Kane. Um, uh, and he's not a number nine either. So yeah, really good header, really good ball in from Snodgrass as well. Absolute beauty of a ball. Um, it had been hard to miss for him. But yeah, good, good performance from Luton uh, and took their chance when they needed to. Vintage Snodgrass, that. Vintage oh, Snodgrass yeah. written oh, all yeah. over it. Uh, Luton, another side whose playoff hopes are looking a lot more secure after this Easter, aren't they? I, uh, how certain are you about them finishing in the playoffs at this point, Justin? I, I would say I'm about 6%, and the only reason why I am is because of injuries. Uh, I think Nathan Jones said, to, said himself that substitutions aren't substitutions anymore. They're just plasters. Um, and yeah, they just got a lot of injuries creeping up into their team. That that worries me a little bit going into the final few games. Um, but this this side does does defy belief quite often, and I think this will just be another hurdle that they they are capable of jumping over. Well, they've got six points on Millwall at the moment, which you'd say would just be about enough. They only need the one more win, don't they, if my maths are correct? And they've got a better goal difference than all the other sides, and they've got Reading on the last day of the season. Their season. It, it looks like it's going to be pretty much over. And then they've got Blackpool coming up this weekend as well. So you'd say they're just about there at this point, wouldn't you? I think that's fair to say. Millwall 2, Hall 1. We said on Saturday that if Millwall win the next three, then they've got a healthy chance of getting into the playoffs. This is one down. And with Sheffield United's stumbling, they'll be eyes wide open, won't they? Oh, without doubt. They're just they're just always there, aren't they? They're like a they're like an uncle at a party where they just they just appear from nowhere. Um uh, they just yeah they come out of nowhere and always always lurking around the corner which makes it sound a little what bit parties strange. are you going to <laughs> just in yeah, something that, you want to talk about no that's a really bad way of putting it um but what i'm trying to say is all of a sudden Millwall uh, are in playoff contention <laughs> i've dug myself a hole here <laughs> yeah all of a sudden Millwall are in playoff contention and and uh, and quite rightly too because the last the last three months especially they've been very consistent um i know they drop points here and there but they've put themselves in the running with some really good performances and they've got team, they've got players in, in really good form you look at the the Tom Bradshaw goal for example Benny Kafobe linking up with Bradshaw Bradshaw was sharp with his finish and Kafobe's touch to him was, was brilliant it was a, it was a good performance again from from Millwall and one that makes you think okay they they might be a decent side in the playoffs do you try to avoid your uncles at all costs nowadays or to be fair I've not spoke to my uncles for a long time so maybe yeah. is there a reason for that no, I mean, we don't have to delve into my, my family uh no, I don't think we drama. want to anyway. No. Um, Scott Malone's goal was <laughs> absolutely bizarre, wasn't it? Richie Smallwood has tackled the ball onto him and it's just creeped into the back and there. It was mo- probably my favourite goal of the season that I've seen so far anyway. Um, Stoke scored after just four minutes to beat Blackburn 1-0. The thing is with Blackburn, right? You can't say they haven't had the chance to get back into the playoffs, have they? Because the door's been left open for them for so long, but they just won't go through it. It's remarkable, isn't it? Because they've been up there for so long Mm -hmm. and they've had so many chances to turn it around, but it's just clearly not happening, is it? Yeah, they're they're a bit like a dog when you let them out to go to... You know, to go to the toilet and they don't come back inside and you're just trying to get them back inside it's just not coming back inside at all as you say they left the door open but they're just not they're not taking their chance and as you say they've had plenty of opportunities to do it um, and they, they've fallen away but it's, it's their own fault as well they've they've 
they've missed chances at times. Um, they've they've not been defensively as solid as as they have been uh, at key points in the season. As you say, Stoke scoring in the fourth minute and the Blackburn not replying at all throughout the game is 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 really really poor. Really really poor. They've essentially gone back to the team from earlier in the season, haven't they? They've had it, it's it's been like a mirror basically of the team that we saw earlier. Mm-hmm. In fact, having said that, the team from earlier in the season wasn't as bad as this, have they? Because they just look so completely bereft of confidence and the yeah. intensity seems to have gone as well because the playoffs are still very much on. If they win their next game, they could be back into the top six. Um, <laughs> it takes a bit of a goal string, but it's possible. Um, but it just doesn't seem to happen. And how often have we been in this situation where a team's been three points off the top six but their chances of actually getting into the playoffs just look so dead. I can't remember anything like it at all. But that's exactly where we sit with Blackburn right now. And it just must be painful to watch from the sidelines as your team just kind of trundles off into the distance without any care in the world for actually getting mm-hmm. into the top six. It's amazing <laughs> how they've gone from looking so so comfortable in the top six to just what they are now, which is... Mm-hmm. Just nothing really, is it? Um, Final final game, Justin, is Blackpool 6, Birmingham 1. Obviously, we'll be higher up in the running order, but every other game had something on the line apart from this. And I think the only thing that might be on the line after this result, Justin, is Lee Bowyer's job. Yeah, I mean, where where did Birmingham go from here? Because Harry Redknapp, uh, I mean, Birmingham City retired Harry Redknapp, Steve Cotterill... I think Birmingham City broke Steve Cotterill, um, judging by some of his post-match press conferences at the time. Um, Aitie Karanka was was a good manager before coming into Birmingham. Um, uh, yeah, this it seems a graveyard for managers and nothing's going to change at that club until things change at the very top. And I understand your point you were making um, over the week in, in, in our last episode about Lee Bay being, Lee Bay being the only bright spot because he is a good manager. Um, but unfortunately, the, the tools that he has and the backing that he has just isn't there. Um, this 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 squad that Birmingham have is a bottom three squad. We know that because of their points that they've accumulated this season is less than teams that have had points deductions. Um, they are fortunate in that sense that that has been the case. But yeah, this 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 squad is is poor. The the ownership is is bottom of the barrel stuff. Are we convinced that Craig Gardner is the right man as the technical director, sporting director? Um, I think Lee Bow is the only person that I think. Would be good enough in this at this football club, but unfortunately the the fans have turned against him because of results on the pitch. But that isn't necessarily all of his fault because of the players and the ownership, etc. It's a mess. It is yeah. just a complete mess. Is yeah. what I'm getting I, at. I said on Good Friday that I think Boya has to stay, and despite this result, nothing's changed my mind. It's hard to justify that after getting spanked six one. But the thing I'd say to Birmingham fans is, if they do sack Boya, well, number one. Who in their right mind is going to want to go to Birmingham? <laughs> Who's better? It kills your reputation. Exactly. It's it's a cho- it's a poison chalice, isn't it? At the moment, why mm-hmm. on earth would you want to go to a club who are looking like they'll one hundred percent be in a relegation battle next season? Have been run so poorly over the past few seasons. I just don't know why anyone in their right mind would want to go. Um, and to who out there can they get who is better? than Lee Bowyer as a manager. Lee Bowyer is a good manager. Birmingham fans may not think that right now, especially after this spanking, but he is a good manager. He's a good championship manager. He's done fantastic jobs in the past with other clubs. Um, And because of what's going on now, 
I just can't see it getting any better with changing manager now. So it's it's uh, it's a horrible situation for them to be in, but I don't really see what choice they've got. I think it wouldn't surprise me at this point if Bowie did get sacked, but they're a club that are spiralling seriously out of control, aren't they? Um, mm-hmm. But we should, because they've won 6-1, Justin, we should give Blackpool some credit. Someone we've not really spoken about for a while because they haven't really had much to fight for in the last mm-hmm. few weeks, have they? Yeah. But I think this is a good summary of just how remarkable a job Neil Critley has done, hasn't he? Got promoted from the playoffs last season. Um, a mid-table finish this season. They're down to 16th now after a couple of bad results, but still a remarkable season for them, isn't it? Yeah, the fact that they've been able to compete above the likes of of Cardiff and and who they came up with, um, because last season's promotion—I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Blackpool fans—but it was, well, I wouldn't say fortunate, but it was they they overachieved in some in some respect because it was Critch's. I think it was his first season um, as a manager. Um, so again, you've got to take your hats off there. It's it a great turnaround, but the, the way they've built this season um, and the way Critchley has been able to rotate the team because they haven't had a consistent lineup. You know, you look at the likes of Gary Medine, Jerry Yates, Shane Lavery. They've got a really good selection of forwards. Beasley came in and scored against Birmingham as well today. Um, his goal since coming from Rochdale. Centre half situation has been unsettled. They've had Ek Potato, who's been sort of the mainstay, but James Husband, Richard Keogh, etc. They've all deputised it. So he's not had a consistent run up. Had injuries with Chris, Ma- Chris, Chris Maxwell in goal as well. It's been far from ideal in terms of injuries and circumstances surrounding his team, but he's still been able to get a lot out of that that group, which is, as you say, quite remarkable, which is why we hype rate Neil Critchley so highly. Um, and again, the team that Blackpool have got there now is is an exciting one. And might lose Josh Bowler in the summer, but there's still CJ Hamilton, there's still Keshi Anderson, and there's still belief from my perspective that they can replace those players who are going to be subject to decent bids from other clubs. Well, they've shown they're able to get these kind of diamonds in the rough, haven't they? And bring yeah. them in. Um, I remember at the start of the season, the, one of the reasons why I didn't rate Blackburn's chance... Blackburn, I've done that so many times. One of the reasons I didn't fancy Blackpool's chances of staying up was because I was looking at the players they were bringing in and thinking they look like League One signings. But the recruitment, I've clearly seen something in them and mm-hmm. made them into solid championship players. And that's a remarkable turnaround and shows what a great job the coaching staff at Blackpool have done. Um, and they'll probably do it again next summer. And that's why I reckon they're only going to get better and better. I don't think this is going to be, you know, a, a kind of a, a high point season. I reckon this is just the start of something special. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the final match from this game week is Fulham at home to Preston. That's happening on Tuesday night. Fulham will finally be promoted if they win. We'll talk about that in Thursday's episode. So no news in this episode. We're going straight into the game, which is Justin's favourite. It's Diddy or Didn't He? I'm going to name Justin 10 players with various connections to the championship and a club. All he's got to tell me is whether they played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them. Justin, are you ready to take on Diddy or Didn't He? Yeah, it's no secret. We're recording fairly early in the morning, so this has a very good opportunity to ruin what could be a very nice day for me. I look forward to it. First player is this, Jason Shackle and Norwich. Diddy or Didn't He? He did. He did play for Norwich. I know that one. 14 appearances on loan in 2009. You're absolutely right. What, what would you say is a good score? Are you going for 6 out of 10 again? No, no, no. You've got to be aiming high for these. Seven is mid-table, eight is top six. Okay, okay. Um, so you've got one out of one so far. Next up is Corley Woodrow and Bristol City. Yeah, he played for Bristol City. I remember that one as well. 
Oh, he's good, he's good, you see. He's absolutely right. 14 appearances on loan four seasons ago. Justin's got two out of two. What a remarkable start this is. Luke Ayling and MK Dons, did he or didn't he? Mm, see, he played, he came through at Arsenal, went to Yeovil. I think he went to Bristol City and then Leeds. I don't think he played for MK Dons. You're absolutely right, Justin Peach. You've come into this full of confidence, and confidence is what matters in <laughs> Diddy or Didn't He, as the old adage goes. Next up is Jack Butland and Leeds. Diddy or Didn't He? Uh, goalkeepers and loan spells just takes the mick, doesn't it? Um, I reckon he did play a couple of games for Leeds. You're absolutely right. He made 16 appearances on loan in 2014. That's On Good Friday's episode, you were all you know jittery about did he or didn't yeah. he you were double thinking it and that's where it really cost you this time you're just going in two-footed you know what's uh you know what your answer is before i even say the words <laughs> um, next up is thomas sifka millwall you've got four out of four so far this is your fifth one yeah it's uh, barnsley he was at barnsley obviously came to derby wigan um there's another spell somewhere but i don't think one of them was millwall you're absolutely right, Justin. Five out of five. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen. True championship expert showing off his qualities here. Something that we won't mention about Saturday's episode. Um, next one is this. This is your sixth one. You've got four marks so far. Roger Johnson and Charlton. Hmm. I reckon, yes, I reckon he did because they were ridiculous under, uh, I can't remember the owner, Duchelet, with their recruitment, and I reckon Roger Johnson passed through the doors at the Valley. He had two spells there in the past 10 years, oh. so absolutely correct. Yeah, six out of six. Justin Peach still flying. If you get four marks here, Justin, then I will take don't, my don't, hat off. No, because you, you're getting in my head now. So just don't say that. I, I thought you were unflappable, so I was um, clearly not after Saturday's episode. <laughs> Number seven is this: Jerry Lolly and Aston Villa. No, he's, he's never played for Villa. He's a Villa fan, but he's never played for Villa. Yeah, he's from near there, but didn't play for them. So you're absolutely right. Seven out of seven. Nathan Ellington and Preston. Did he or didn't he? Hmm. Hmm. Now he's, uh, he's double thinking it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, well, he, be he became a bit of a journeyman, but I don't think he ever played for Preston. He made 18 appearances on loan in 2011. Did he? He absolutely did. Justin, you've let your record go to tatters. Wow. I've, uh, no, that's, uh, that's quite surprising. I have to Wikipedia after this. He's shaking him, shaking him. Um, mm. We're going back to Preston again, Justin. You've got seven out of eight. Preston and Adam Reach. Did he or didn't he? <laughs> Crap. Uh, no. See, it's normally I, I can I can pinpoint where players have played and when they've played, but the last two completely gone. So I, I, I'm not. He sure made 35 anything. appearances in yeah, 2015, there 16. There you go. There you go. <laughs> he's, he's lost it. He's lost it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so you've got seven out of nine. You're having a bit of a Stoke City season here. The mm. um, final one is this: Nua Dicko and Blackpool. Ah, it's just another one. Uh, no, I don't think. Where is Nua Dicko now? Anyway, uh, no, I don't think he did play for Blackpool. He had two seasons on loan there in two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> two, like two full seasons uh, he had half a season I think and then one full season after that Christ that, so yeah. 
seven out of seven and then all completely went to pot just in that. <laughs> I think it's all right because you would have said seven is a good score at the start, but it could have been a lot better. I mean, a bit Given like a Tony Mowbray season. Yeah, Tony Mowbray season, a bit like West Brom Blackburn, got very, very, very uh, uh, ambitious and you know, my mind started to wonder what, uh, to wonder what could have been. You, you've become a victim of your own success. That's the problem for exactly. you right there. Mm-hmm. So there we go, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. This has been a roundup of the Easter Monday round of games here on the second tier. We'll be back again on Thursday to look ahead to next weekend's round of games, as well as talking about Fulham v Preston, which is happening tonight at the time of recording. So we look forward to seeing you then. But thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to seeing you in a couple of days' time. So this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I have been Brian Dilks. I have been Justin Peach. And thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>